Okay. So I guess I'm going to have to look this way, look this way. You wouldn't want to move in a little bit, would you, to help me so I wouldn't have to be walking back and forth? Maybe this side can... Yeah, there they go. See, look, look how obedient they are, right? Man. Like it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I didn't ask anybody to introduce me because I think you know who I am, right? But just to, somebody said no, uh-oh, okay. But uh, let me just say this by way of introduction. In two weeks, it'll be 15 years that I've been here on the um, NIAC, with the NIAC family. Along with the NIAC family, which I'm so thankful to be part of, um, 32 years on the pastoral staff at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, which I'm grateful for, work with a great group of men at the church. And then this past November, I celebrated married to the same lady for 38 years, Amen. which I'm, yeah, clap for her. Two grown children, three grandchildren, and I'm just very, very, very grateful and very blessed. And so I stand before you with a heart of just, I'm overflowing with thanksgiving. Yes, sir. Because I'm not going to share my testimony tonight. Maybe one day I will, but if you knew where I've come from, <laughs> you'd know why I feel so grateful Amen. to be here tonight. Yes, so we have to get going here. Um, let's see. Welcome. Happy New Year. Um, welcome to another spring semester. And um, I believe it's going to be a great semester. And um, how many say amen? amen. It's going to be a great semester, right? Amen. Because we serve a great God. Amen. And so um, I consider it an honor and a joy to be able to speak to you our first official chapel service for the entire institution. You know we have chapel every Tuesday and Thursday, so make it your business when you can to be here on Thursdays, be here on Tuesdays so we can celebrate together. But tonight I have the challenge, I feel, of speaking to you. I don't want, I'm not here this evening to give you a chapel message per se, but I'm here to share with you something from the Word of God, from the heart of God that I believe and I've just called this message tonight, just simply, just simply, just simply, uh, 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 this thing gets ahead of itself. The best way to succeed. I know you have to study hard. Somebody say amen. amen. I have to do all my papers. I have to do my homework. Amen. I have to spend time in the library. I have to network. You got to do all those things, right? But what I'm going to tell you tonight, or what I'm going to share with you just for a few moments tonight, trumps all of that. This goes, this goes past all of that. So he who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit would say tonight. So quick story to set this up, and it's simply this. You're going on a trip. In fact, you're going on a trip overseas. And you're going to end up in the beautiful country of France. You're going to leave from John F. Kennedy Airport. You're going 
going to fly over the Atlantic. You're going to land in Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. Charles de Gaulle, the airport named after him. Charles de Gaulle was the president of France from 1959 to 1969. After you land, after you deplane, you're going to get your luggage. You're going to go outside, hail a cab, and you're going to be asked to be taken to the Ritz Hotel in central Paris. It's about a 20-minute ride from that picture you're looking at. And when you arrive at the hotel in about 20 minutes, you have arrived at your destination. And now, you're going to be confronted with two major problems. Problem number one, you never considered finding out what the cost of staying at the Hotel Ritz was. How much was it a night? Number two, problem number two, the picture you see there, it just so happens that the weather in Paris is unusually cold, and for the 10 days that you're going to be there, the temperature is going to be between 10 to 15 degrees with intermittent snow. And you haven't even bothered to pack a sweater, never mind a, a coat. So here's the dilemma. Number one, and I did the research, you may think this is incredible, but it isn't. The Hotel Ritz just so happens to be one of the prestigious, luxurious hotels in the world. And the cost to stay in that hotel ranges from $1,300 a night to $20,000 a night. And the time that you're going to be there, it just so happens that the only rooms that they have available range between fifteen dollars and $18,000 a night. That's your first problem. Your second problem is because of the weather, you're not ready for it. And you do the math. You're not ready. You don't have $150,000 to invest in staying in that hotel for those 10 days. And you're not properly dressed for the 10 days. Now look at me. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Come on. Doesn't it sound absurd? Well, it is absurd. But what if I were to tell you my click is not working, Nico, so I don't know what the problem is. But what if I were to tell you that, um, it's getting ahead of itself. What if I were to tell you that far too many people, and I hope nobody here tonight, listen to me, far too many people have already entered into the year 2020, we're 23 days in, correct? And they've entered into this new year in the same haphazard way that I just described to you. I'm not talking about getting on a plane and, and going overseas without consulting or checking the hotel rate or what the weather is. I'm talking real talk. I'm talking about people that have already entered 2020. They're making decisions. They're choosing their, their, their career path, their, 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 their who to marry, what choices to make? Let's bring it home. What, what, what do I major in here at NIAC? Who, do, who are my friends going to be? What am I going to do? How am I going to prioritize my life without the one basic essential? And that essential, my friends, 
is what I want to talk to you about tonight. And you know what that is? Prayer. Prayer. Talking to God about everything before we do anything. You know, an anonymous writer wrote this. Oh, boy. We may be certain that whatever God has made prominent in his word, he intends to be conspicuous in our lives. Let me read it again. We may be certain that whatever God has made prominent in his word, he intends for it to be conspicuous in our lives. What do I mean by that? If you take this Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I looked it up, I believe it's in Genesis chapter 4, towards the end of that chapter, the Bible says, and then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And if you trace it through the whole Old Testament right into the New Testament, you'll see a common thread, and that common thread is the common thread of prayer. The common thread of men and women calling upon the name of the Lord. So why would, why would God make it so, uh, so, so essential? Because he knows the great need that we have. So that's what I want to just talk to you for about a few moments. And don't take my word for it. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Devote yourselves, that's you and I, to what? To prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Another translation has it this way. Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with what? Thanksgiving. Now you Greek scholars, that word devote or the word continue earnestly it's a very strong, it's a, it's a very strong directive. It's, it's, it's giving everything, giving your, your priority, giving your attention to it. Not just something that, oh, well, you know what, I might as well pray. No, no, no. This is, this is devote yourself. Get into it. Continue in it earnestly. And that's what the writer is saying here in this verse. So we're going to look at a little passage of Scripture because I want to bring practical application to it tonight. I told you, I don't want to give you a chapel message. I want to give you something that's going to take you through this semester. Can I tell you something? We're here tonight, and it's good to see all of you here. But the storms are going to come. The difficulties are going to come. I'm not pre preaching or speaking some kind of doomsday message to you. But that's how life is. But you and I are going to make it. Amen? Amen. So there was a little song that we used to sing back in the day. We don't sing it anymore. I want to resurrect it one of these days. I don't know if you've ever heard it. That's the title of it. You are great and I am small. Let me give you the words to it a little bit. You are great and I am small. You are God and Lord of all. You are wise. Notice we're talking about God. You are wise in all that you do. Lord, I give my life to you and cry, holy, holy, holy. And you know what, so there's, there's, there's good biblical truth in that little song, because here's the problem with today. Would you not agree with me? Too many people are, are, are placing man's opinion way up here, and then God is somewhere else. Now, I don't want to get into politics tonight with you about what's going on right now with the impeachment process and all that. We all see what's going on. But, but the danger is, is that we're so, we're, so, we're so caught up with what CNN is saying and what this one is and what this senator is saying. What, this, what does God have to say about all of this? And so tonight as we just look at a couple of verses and then we're going to 
uh, we're going to do it, I want you to see some practical application to this. So let's look at a, a little piece of a psalm. This happens to be one of my favorite psalms. I have a bunch of favorite psalms, but this is really one of them. It's Psalm 86. Uh, the commentators, the scholars, they, they attribute the psalm to David, but um, they don't really know when it was written, when he wrote it, what was going on in his life. Towards the end of the psalm, it would seem like David was writing it like on the run because it's talking about he's talking about his enemies and maybe he was on the run. But regardless of where he was when he wrote it, David knew this, that when push comes to shove, our God is an awesome God. Amen. So follow along as I just kind of read through about six or seven verses. Hear me, Lord, and answer me. This is David now crying out to the Lord. For I am what? Poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord. For what? I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. For when I am in distress, I call to you. Why? Because you answer me. Now we'll stop right there. I just want to bring out two or three points. And then tonight, I, um, I got my oil in my pocket. That's just symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And um, whoever would like, I'll pray for every one of you in here if you want. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this year that God is going to give you the best year that you've ever had. Amen. I want to pray for you that God's going to keep you in good health. Amen. I want to pray that God's going to keep you in a sound mind. Amen. I want to pray that God is going to make you as bold as a lion. Amen. As harmless as a dove. Amen. And we have the right to do that. The Bible says pray one for another. Yes. And I feel faith in my bones today. I've been praying for days now for this meeting. You don't know, we look forward to a lot of days on this campus. The president tells you he looks forward to the commencement when the graduates walk across that stage, and I do too. But I look forward to this day where I can pray for you and see the great things that God's going to do in your lives. Amen. So number one, notice again, the writer says this, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am, what does he say, poor and needy. And there's the first problem. Listen to me. This is the first problem. Because in the day in which we live in, nobody wants to walk around saying, oh, woe is me, or I'm poor, or I'm needy. No, no, it's just the opposite. Everybody say, you got this, you got this. Come on, you got it. Meanwhile, you don't have anything, but you got it. And so there's a rub going on, because the world doesn't want you to acknowledge your need, your, your, your poor. And this poor, this poor is not talking about, uh, you know, monetary, how much money you have or don't have in your pocket or where you live or where you don't live. The writer is talking about a poor in spirit. And so the first thing you need to recognize is we have to understand our relationship with the Lord. He is great and we are small. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. There's nothing wrong with staying in this place of, I like to call it this place of weakness. Well, wait a minute. Pastor Hammond, I thought we're supposed to be strong in the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. We're supposed to be strong in the Lord. Amen. So wait, then what is it? Are we supposed to be strong or are we supposed to be weak? 
Guess what? Both. Both. For the writer says this, when I am weak, then I am strong. And in my weakness, his power is made perfect. So that's the first thing that I want you to notice tonight. And I want the Holy Spirit to rivet it into your heart tonight. I'm calling it this. Stay weak. Stay weak. Stay in a place of brokenness. I was sharing with a young man that's sitting here amongst you tonight that I was so blessed by. How many, how many know Dr. Tony Evans? How many ever heard of Dr. Tony Evans? How many know that his wife of 49 years went home to be with the Lord just several weeks ago? And um, I was watching him this morning. I don't know when it was broadcast, but I happened to see it this morning. And he was standing there in front of the cameras, sitting there. And um, Tony has preached in our church many a time. I've, I've met his lovely wife. Whoa, what a, what a woman of God she was. And he sat there this morning and looked out into the audience. Who knows who was watching it? Thousands, tens of thousands. And he said, I just want to take this moment to thank everybody. For their prayers and for their for their well wishes, for their notes of encouragement. He said, he said, we prayed. And and he said, God didn't exactly answer the prayer the way we thought he should. And by that he meant total healing for his wife. But he said, she's home now. We released her. He said, but but guess what? She lived months more than the doctors had given her. Amen. And he just sat there and listening to this man married to a woman for 49 years saying, your prayers, your prayers have held me up. Your prayers have made me strong. And he said, I just want to say one more thing. I'm not quitting. I'm going to continue to fight. I said, oh, God bless you, Brother Tony. And that's the kind of life that I want to live. How about you? Amen. Want to be strong in the Lord. Yes. No matter what happens. Amen. No matter what the doctor says. Amen. No matter what anybody says, I'm going to be strong in the Lord. Amen. And we want you to be strong as well. So number one, stay weak. Stay weak. Stay, stay at that place of, you know what, I know I'm going to do well this year. I'm looking at my brother Leo. I know he's going to graduate. But guess what? He can't do anything unless the Lord works in him. And that goes for all of us. Number two, notice the writer says, guard my life, for I am what? I'm devoted to you. But he says, guard my life. Now that word guard is an interesting word, um, beloved. You... You Hebrew scholars, I'm going to fire this, uh, this thing. because the word guard there, it's a Hebrew word, shamar, and I have a little reference there. You can look at it later. Don't look at it now. But in Psalm 121, five times the writer uses the word, the same Hebrew word, shamar, when he's talking about guard. Let me tell you some of the things that he that he says in, in uh, Psalm 121. He says things like this. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches, Shamar, over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches, Shamar, over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord, Shamar, watches over you. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will, Shamar, watch over your life. The Lord will, Shamar, watch over your coming and going. In other words, the Lord's got you. He wants to guard you. He wants to protect you. He wants to, he wants to just keep you from everything that, would, that the enemy would try to put on us. I think of this word guard, and it's, it's humorous, but it's not so humorous. I remember when I was single and I was 
dating my now wife, and we had went out for the evening, and then I brought her home, and then I came home back to my apartment, and uh, the, the lock on the inside of the door was on. So that meant that somebody must have gotten into my apartment without me knowing. And anyway, long story short, I brought the police back because I knew something, I couldn't get in. And we went up on the roof and we saw the window in my apartment was wide open. Anyway, I had been burglarized. I mean burglarized. I mean they took everything. Furniture, clothes, everything. I said to people that lived on that floor in my apartment building, didn't anybody hear anything? So I said, they, like a moving company moved me out. I said, didn't anybody hear anything, any knocking against the wall? But that's not the kind of guarding I'm talking about. This kind of guarding is, is that the Lord's got you. And he wants us to allow him to guard our lives. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? If we let God do it, he'll do it right. When we try to, you know, do our thing, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. And this year, 2020, would you please, along with me, let this be your your hallmark. What can I tell you? God rules. Let God rule. Let God control everything. Now, I know it's very quiet in here because some of you, this isn't what you're used to. You're used to, you know, hey, Pastor Hammond, I read my Bible. I go to church on Sunday, too. But boy, am I trying to manage through my life. See, there's the disconnect. No, there's no disconnect. Go to church on Sunday. Go to the midweek service if you have one. Read your Bible. But let God rule your life. The Bible says that we're to lean what? It's, it's the student government's signal verse, right? Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. And he'll do what? He'll direct your, your paths. And then we stop there, right? But the verses go on to say, I believe in verses 7 and 8 of that chapter 3, do not be wise in your own eyes. For that, if, you're, if you're not wise in your own eyes, it'll bring nourishment to your bones and health to your body. I want to be healthy this year. I want, to be, I want to be strong. And one of the secrets to that is letting the Lord lead your life. You know, it's no secret that I, I remember I worked in, uh, for a pharmaceutical company. This is many, many years ago. Sterling Drug was the name of the pharmaceutical company, makers of bare aspirin. Do we still have bare aspirin name? Up there? It's way back. But um, I remember I had a co-worker. A co his name was Richard Elliott. You even remember his name. He was the vice president of quality control. Sharp guy, cool guy. And when I left Sterling Drug, that was many years ago. I don't know how old he was. But let's just say maybe five years later, I went back to visit and see some of my friends there just to see how everybody was doing. And, and I wanted to see him because him and I were good friends. And I'm, just, I'm not trying to be funny. But when I walked in his office, he was there. But oh my goodness. He looked like he had aged like about 20 years. I didn't even know it was the same person. I, I hope I didn't react too much. Like, Whoa, what happened, Richard? But he had aged so. But the thing is, anxiety and the cares of this world and the things that you and I stay awake at night about, it'll kill you. How about casting it all on the Lord? <laughs> How about giving it to the Lord? I'm at peace today. I didn't hit the lottery, but I'm at peace today. Amen. I'm at peace today. Hallelujah. I told you a little of my bio, not to bring attention to myself, but, but I, I, I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. I don't need anything. I'm not, I'm not concerned about 
anything other than just serving the Lord and making sure that my family and those close to me are serving the Lord. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we were just talking about what, what's, what's really meaningful at this time of your life. And I, and I thought about it for a minute. I said, that's a good question. And then I said, what's meaningful to me? I said, oh, here's what it is. To see as many people that don't know Christ right now coming to know him. Because you and I in this room, come on, all of us in this room, how many are Christians? Can I see your hand? Don't be ashamed to raise your hand. We're all Christians. We're all going to heaven. We're all going to spend all of eternity with the Lord. I was just reading in my Bible this morning in the book of Revelation where it says there'll be no more tears, no more crying, no more cancer, no more whatever this new disease is in China. There'll be no more of that. So we're good, right? But what about the people? Do you know anybody right now? as I'm talking, that don't know Christ? Do you have any family members? I have, I have a couple of family members that I, that I pray for daily. Do you know anybody? Do you have a neighbor? Have somebody you know? Have you been praying for them? That's what we need to be doing. So prayer, 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 how important that is. So what's the first thing? Stay what? Oh, boy, I'm not getting through. Stay what? Thank you. Okay. Second one, God. God rules. Let him rule. Let him rule. And the last thing, I don't have any PowerPoint for it, but verse 7 said this. The writer says this. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. I cried out to the Lord. Beloved, again, this flies in the face of the world. The world doesn't want you to show emotion. Don't get all excited. But I tell you what, here's, here's something that you can take to the bank. I think it's in John, right? 16, 33 says this. In this world, you and I are always going to have it great, right? No. In this world, you and I will have tribulation. That's a given. That's not an option. Maybe. It's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm not wishing it on you. I'm not wishing it on myself. But I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Don't, don't get blindsided by the fact that something might happen. Some bottom might fall out from you. But take heart, because Jesus has overcome it. Amen. That's why he went to the cross for you and I. I prayed with somebody today. The blood, the blood cleanses us from all sin. Aren't you glad about that? Hallelujah. Yeah, I am. The Bible says if you sin, if you confess your sin, what? He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. That doesn't mean that you and I are supposed to go on practicing in sin. No, no, no. But we have, we have an advocate. We have, the, we have the Lord. That's why we take communion so that we can celebrate and remember his death and his resurrection and the forgiveness of sin. So let me close. Prayer. How simple that sounds, doesn't it? So simple, right? Prayer. But yet so many of us neglect it. How about that little verse? I think it's in James that says, you have not. Huh? Because you ask not. How crazy is that? Things that God wants to give you and I, he can give it to us in a second. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns everything. He owns the hills. He owns everything. So it's not a matter of, gee whiz, I wonder if my God. No, our God is awesome. But there's something about, and don't ask me to explain it, but there's something about the intimacy. I was reading that in my devotion about how somehow God got so caught up with Enoch and the intimacy that he was that he was sharing with him, that he did what? He called him home. He said, you know what? I, I need you with me, brother. <laughs> Come on with me. 
There's something about the intimacy that the Lord likes when you and I take time. Listen, what I'm talking about tonight, I know, is foolishness to the world. The Bible tells us that. This is foolishness. Pray, pray to who? who? Who are you praying to? I don't see anybody here. If you have a midweek, a lot of churches, they, they pack them out on Sunday. Maybe not your church. Hopefully not your church. But they pack them out on Sunday. And then when they call a midweek prayer service, a handful show up. Shame on us. I, I'm, I'm so thankful that we tell our congregation the prayer meeting, the Tuesday night prayer meeting, is the most important meeting of the week. That's what intrigued me when I first went to the church. I said, what do you mean the most important meeting? I thought Sunday. What, what, what in the world could be going on on Tuesday? And Tuesday to boot, because I'm used to a Wednesday meeting, a Wednesday midday meeting. So what are you talking about, Tuesday? And that was, that was, that was, that was close to 38 years ago. And now I realize that that prayer meeting is the engine of the church. I believe in the spirit. I'm not prophesying right now, but I believe a lot of Satan's devices and tricks have been canceled at the prayer meeting when God's people pray. How many know when God is there and the Holy Spirit is working, the devil has to flee? And so I encourage you and challenge you, even in your own churches. I didn't plan to say this, but pray, pray. Even if you're in a church right now where... Perhaps you don't have a, a midweek prayer service. You know, I, I don't want you to go run into your pastor and say, the, the dean at the school said, why don't we have... No, don't, please don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You'll get me in trouble. But you know what you can do? You can pray. How many know? Prayer listen, yes. prayer changes things. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how else to say it. You want me to jump up and down? Prayer changes things. If I've seen anything in the years and years that I've been a follower of Christ, I've seen the hand of God in answer to prayer. That's why I'm so passionate about this tonight. I'm not talking about something that I just read in the Word of God. Yes, it's in the Word of God. I told you it's in the Word of God. But I've seen with my own eyes the power of God. I've seen demon-possessed people set free by the power of God. I've seen healing in Jesus' name. We just prayed two weeks ago for a lady in our prayer meeting that had terminal stage 4 cancer. And the doctors had already said, you know what, that's all we can do. And she came to the prayer meeting, and we laid hands on her, and we prayed. This was two weeks ago, and last week we got up and said the doctors just did another, you know, checkup. No cancer! No cancer! No cancer! That's our God. The Bible says if you're going to boast about anything, boast in the Lord. I'm boasting in the Lord tonight. I hope you understand that. Everything that I'm saying, I want you to run out of here saying our God is an awesome God. And I don't care if you don't remember anything I said. Just remember that our God is an awesome God. And so as I close now, I just, I'm praying for, I'm praying for a great year for you. You know, we're praying for the college, of course. We believe, the executive team and everybody, we believe that God has placed us here. And we're going to pray to that end. We're not going to worry. I keep telling the executive team I'm on the team. But I keep saying, gentlemen, ladies, I know we have to keep praying that God will send the enrollment. I, I, I get all of that. But I'll tell you this much. If we will just make sure that we keep our brand, Jesus first, God will take care of the enrollment. Don't you think God will take care of the enrollment? There's enough people in this city that desperately need a good Christian education. Yes. 
in whatever field. It doesn't just have to be pastoral ministry or biblical theology. We need Christian social workers. We need Christian educators. We need Christian musicians. We need Christian nurses. We need Christian you name it. So I believe that God has called us here. And guess what? You're all part of it. Hello. You're it. You're part of it. And so I'm going to just say a closing prayer for all of us. Thank you for being here today. Um, please, you know, get the word out. I don't mind being transparent with you. It breaks my heart that we have a college of hundreds here. You know, I don't know what the exact number is. I'm talking about undergrad, graduate, the seminary, the MBA, MSOL, all the programs. We have hundreds of people here. This chapel ought to be full every Tuesday and Thursday. There ought not be an empty seat in here. There's people in the building right now, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting angry, but there's people in the building right now that need to be in chapel. They're in the libraries. They're in the computer rooms. They're in the lounge. They're in the wherever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's get our priorities right. If we'll spend a measly 45 minutes in chapel, who knows what God will do? Oh, my goodness. Hear me today. So I need you and I to be the Lord's ambassadors tonight. Would you, would you, would you, would you ask the Lord to give you the boldness? You don't have to preach a sermon, but would you ask God to help you to prayerfully try to invite five people to come to chapel next week? Five people. I didn't say 50, five. And guess what? If you ask somebody to come and they say, go to the next person. <laughs> That's how it is evangelizing, right? You speak to somebody about Christ. I remember I was evangelizing with the evangelism team. This is great. I'm out there on Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn on a Saturday afternoon. They have a, a flea market there. And I'll, I'll close with this. And, and I'm giving out flyers, telling people about Jesus. So there's a guy, my brother. There's a guy. I didn't really notice, but he's on the phone. He's on the phone. And I'm so zealous, I didn't realize it. So I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to give him a flyer. And he's on the phone and so then finally he goes, he goes to the person on the phone. Excuse me, he says, what do you want? <laughs> I tried to realize he was on the phone. I said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you're on the phone. He said, well, what do you want? And I said, I'll wait until you get off the phone. <laughs> but you go to the next person, that's all. You go to the next one. Because I can tell you this, people are ready. We had a lady in the, in the prayer meeting this past Tuesday night. She's, she's, a, she's, she's from California. She comes here to New York. God calls her to, to, to somewhere, Hong Kong or somewhere she is right now. And she just said, what a great time to be living for the Lord, being able to share. She says, she says I got to tell you. Oh, no, no, here's what happened. Yes, she was in Hong Kong, but then she went, to, she went to Israel. And she's Jewish by birth. And she says the craziest thing. She says, years ago, if I was in Jerusalem and I told another Jew that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah... They would say, you know what, please, get out of here. She said, that's what, that, that's what used to happen to her. But she says, now she goes up to Jews in Jerusalem, and she says, you know what, I'm here. I just want to tell you about the love of Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. And they said, you know what, I've been looking for somebody like you. Tell me more. Glory. Glory. Come on, come on. People, people are right. People are hungry. People are hungry for the real thing. They see enough junk going on 
They know politics isn't the answer. So as I pray now, you can go. But um, I'm here to pray. If anybody wants special prayer, I'm not going to pray long over you. Um, I'll just anoint you with oil. Uh, you can sit where you are. I'll come to you. I just gonna, I just gonna, I just want to pray for anybody that wants me to pray for them. And you have to believe. You know, the Bible says, according to your faith, so be it unto you. So if you're asking for prayer, believe that God is going to hear the prayer. This is not this is not witchcraft, okay? This is this is God. So I'm here to pray for anybody. You want to come stand here for a minute? I'll pray up if you come up here and stand, and I'll pray a 30-second prayer over you. If you have to get to class, I understand that. If you want to just sit where you are, I'll come to you. But I'll I'll stay here all night if I have to. So Father, we want to just end this chapel service thanking you for giving us this first service that we could gather together and to just fellowship together. It's going to be a great year, Lord. And I just lift up everyone in this room that we're going to have a great year. And I thank you, Lord, for the power that's in prayer. So God bless everyone here today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.